Welcome to A Fruitful Life, a podcast by Brother Rick Clendenin of Benton, Kentucky. On this podcast, we'll bring you a lesson from the daily A Fruitful Life radio broadcast. We'll let you know how you can reach us before we go. And now, A Fruitful Life. Hello, and welcome to A Fruitful Life with Rick Clendenin. Today, Brother Rick continues the second session of the two-part series, The Next Move of God. This series was taught at the Bridge of Hope Church in Manchester, Kentucky. On the last broadcast, Brother Rick asked his wife Debbie to come forward and read his text found in 2 Chronicles 5, verses 13 and 14. Then he taught us the first of five concepts that will bring the move of God into our world. On this broadcast, he'll bring us two more of those concepts, including the definition of anointing. And now, here's Brother Rick. And the second element for his glory was born, and it's the prophetic. We're scared to death of prophetic because it's been abused. And it's true, it has been abused. But how many of you know just because something's been abused doesn't mean it's not authentic and needed? Now see, until you experience the prophetic, you don't have God's vision of your situation. It's through the prophetic. And the word prophetic means more than just popcorn prophecy in the parking lot. It means a declaration of the word of God. <laughs> I'm prophesying right now to you with this microphone in my hand because I'm declaring to you the word of the Lord. And when Hannah prayed, the prophetic was born in the concept that there was a God who began to speak about how he really wanted to make the tribes into a kingdom. And the prophetic was born. Thank God for prophetic words how many of you know the bible tells us in thessalonians chapter 5 don't despise that don't despise prophesying why because we say oh god i want you to change how many of you know he's going to give us a word before he moves he said i'm not just going to move unless i share it with my prophets don't despise that we're seeing a rise in the prophetic ministry why is that because jesus is coming and he's wanting to give us insight and we need that insight So Hannah prayed. Everybody say, Hannah prayed. And the prophetic was birthed. The concept of the prophetic. What happened when the prophetic come? How did it change the situation? Because now there was a prophet named Samuel, and he began to anoint Boy, how we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? See, until Samuel showed up, there was nobody to anoint. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 10 that he anointed a man named Saul. It's very important to know how he anointed Saul. He took a vial. A vial is a human instrument. It was made by somebody. And he anointed Saul with a little vial of oil. Because the people wanted a king, but they really didn't want the king. 
So God told him, said, well, take this vial and, and go over and pour it on his head. And so he anointed Saul. But as you read on, you'll find out in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that all of a sudden God said, I'm displeased with him because he's no longer small in his own eyes. He's got the big head and I'm through with him. Now take a horn of oil and go anoint David because something needs to die before something can live. And you don't take a vial this time. You take the horn of an animal that's been sacrifice and you fill it with oil and you pour that oil over his head because I got a plan bigger than human ingenuity listen to what I'm telling you that's why God's not going to pour out on our little plans it's a vow to him and it's vow to him but boy, if we would die to our agenda and live to his agenda, and once that death occurs, he will pour out his oil. So there was a concept of the anointing that took place. What is anointing? I can simply define it as this. It's God wiping his super, super on your natural. Just means a residue of grease. That remains because of an embrace. Imagine they poured five quarts of oil over a priest's head. Stand up here. I know you're two times taller than me. But if I was a priest, I had five quarts of oil poured over my head. And you hugged me. All of a sudden, what's on me is left on you. That's what the anointing is. It's what remains after he embraces us, it's not how we've suddenly become something and, and we get goosebumps. How many of you know goosebumps ain't the anointing? Maybe the air conditioner kicking out. It's the residue of his embrace. There's a concept that comes. How's it come? It comes through prayer and then through prophetic outpouring. And then there's a concept of anointing. Now let's go to the next one. Because the next is a concept of warfare. Whew, we don't like this. We want a testimony with no test. How many of you know that's just an ammoni? You know the word money actually means payment. That's why alimony means you're getting a payment from Al. Testimony means God will not allow you to go through anything without a payment for it. Oh, I want the ammoni. Mine is a test. How many of you want an ammonia? Yeah, give me a payment. <laughs> Just send a check in the mail. I won't even show up. Just bless me, Lord, bless me. But how many of you know it's the test? It's the warfare that brings the victory. And here was a warfare. The anointed one had to conquer the fleshly one. Uh-oh. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to start meddling now. Because, see, we want the anointing of God to come on us. And we're too alive to experience his resurrection power. And the flesh wants to be satisfied, but we want to walk in the glory of God. It's such a paradox. It won't happen. Because we've got to experience death to experience resurrection. I was reading a book years ago, and this man was praying and said, Oh, God, show me what it will take for me to walk in the fullness of your spirit. And he said, The Lord swept him up in a vision, took him to a cemetery. And he said he was walking in a cemetery, and he looked at a tombstone, had his name on it. And the Lord said, Lay down here in your flesh. You'll walk out with me in your spirit. See, your level of walking in the anointing will be parallel equal to your left. 
to your level of walking in death to your flesh. And this is why we're not experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost because we want to walk in the fullness of our flesh while walking in the fullness of God and it will not work. And God's calling us to position ourselves through the kingdom concept of spiritual warfare. You're going to experience a war. And the real war is not what's happening around us. ISIS is not the problem of the United States. It is the absence of the presence of Jesus. That is our problem. Because if we was committed to Jesus like they're committed to a false God, we'd be turning the world upside down. Amen? So there's a concept of warfare. Let's go to the next one. Because once the concept of the warfare of the flesh is conquered, then you can deal with a real enemy. The real enemy was the Philistines. They were the ones that was ruling while they were fighting inside the church. And that's our problem. We fight inside the church while the devil was making havoc in the world. We got to conquer the war inside before we can ever entertain a war outside. And God's calling us to conquer Saul, our flesh, so that we can walk in the fullness of the concept of government. Because the real problem was there was no king in Israel. And David began to dispossess the Philistines. And Israel began to be positioned to walk in the victory of the fullness of God. So we need that government. And people fight against that government. We don't want to be submitted to anything. We're Americans. We don't have to be over. Nobody got to be over us. Bless God, we're over ourselves. Who in the world that guy think he is, eh? Why should I pay any attention to Mark Huff? Don's him. I don't care what Eddie Elmore thinks. I don't care. It ain't them. This is where God put them. We submit to authority. God raises our authority. That's what I talked about this morning. The man that sent his friend to get his servant healed, he said he understands authority. <laughs> he understands what it means to say to one go and another come. He understands that. See, once you understand, it's not the person, it's the position God's put that person in. And if we submit to that, how many of you know we walk in the fullness of what God has intended? And so government has to be established. It's a rule of God. David begins to rule. He don't begin to rule from Jerusalem. He begins to rule in a cave with a bunch of people that's in debt and discontent and discouraged. But how many of you know if you can't rule in a cave, God ain't going to put you on a throne. God was telling me, he said, I'd like to go across the world and preach the gospel. I said, listen, ain't no sense of going everywhere to preach if you ain't preaching everywhere you go. You hear what I said? Ain't no sense going over to Africa to preach if you ain't preaching in London, in Manchester. How many of you know making a trip across the water just going to make you a tourist? going to make you tired. It ain't going to change who you are. <laughs> you ain't witnessing to your neighbor. How many of you know you get off plane, you ain't suddenly going to become Billy Graham. I know what I'm talking about. I made a few trips. I remember coming back from overseas. Man, across the street, it's Christmas. I've been to India. Come back, and Debbie made me a big German chocolate cake. While I was gone, her neighbor lady died. Her name was Elizabeth. And, and everybody knew Elizabeth because she looked out the curtains all the time. She was a one-person neighborhood watcher. <clears throat> you got my point. I got this German chocolate cake, man. I can't wait to tear into it. And the Lord said, did you know Mr. Hensley don't have a cake baker anymore? His wife died. And I thought, bless his heart. I'm fixing to eat me some cake. And the Lord said, give him your cake. 
And I said, is it okay if I give him one like my cake? I went in the kitchen. I said, Debbie, make a German chocolate cake. She said, I just made one. I said, yeah, but that and mine. Make one for Mr. Hensley across the street. And I remember Tate was just a little girl. I said, come on, Tate, go with me. She said, where are we going? I said, next door. I remember walking over and knocking on Mr. Hensley's door. He opened the door, and I was standing with German chocolate cake. I said to him, I know your cake bakers went home to be with the Lord. But I couldn't eat cake over there, knowing you didn't have cake over I've been to India, and you know, I wasn't even praying for the guy across the street from me. I don't know what this has done for you. Listen, if this ain't helping you, just let me help myself a little while. I really need this. I just need to get back to the basics of what it means to show the love of Jesus to those that don't know him. Just to do something out of the way so they know you went the extra mile. That's what I'm doing right now to a neighbor. They're shacked up together in a little house by me. Back last year, around December, I went out and they was trying to get their old car started. They pulled it out of a fence row. Man, it was an old car, old Camaro. I think it was shaking. It looked like the fender was going to fall off of it. The windows wouldn't roll up. It was cold. I said, y'all having car trouble? Yeah. And that woman said, if you can call us a car. <laughs> I went on in the house. And I said, Lord, give them a car. And the Lord said, you give them a car. You live next door to them. I said, Lord, I really actually don't want to start walking. I kind of like my car. But I couldn't get that off my mind. And I kept talking to God. God, what do you have for me for next year? What do you have for me for <laughs> I was trying to get the vision for the next year because I didn't like what he's wanting me to do in December. That's the way we do, ain't it? And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do next year? He said, I'd like for you to write this morning and spend some time with me. I started writing. I got a phone call, and it was from Zach Strong, who was here last month. And Zach said to me, Rick, do you need a car? And I said, yeah, I think I do. He said, I got a car given to me. And he said, but when I sat down there, the Lord said it was for you that you need a car. And I said, well, I really don't need a car, but I will shortly <laughs> if I obey the Lord. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast of A Fruitful Life. We hope that you'll tell your friends and family about the broadcast. And if you like, join us on social media at our AFL Facebook page, or you can follow Brother Rick on Twitter. You can find us on the web at afruitfullife.org. If you prefer to write Brother Rick directly, you may address all correspondence to Rick Clendenin, Post Office Box 287, Benton, Kentucky, 42025. A Fruitful Life is the radio and media ministry of Rick and Debbie Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. If you'd like to see the other outreaches of Rick Clendenin Ministries, please visit our website. Once again, that's afruitfullife.org. Thanks for listening.